What's going on? Hello, welcome back <laughs> to the worst podcast. Welcome back. Here we are once again. And this week we are doing our, our theme on missed opportunities. Yep, that could be anything from missing the bus. Oh. <laughs> oh. That would make the podcast very no, interesting, would it? Or it could be missing uh, the birth of your child. Wow. So, so well, I mean, obviously it's going to, I think we're going to err towards the latter. This one. My, a lot of the ones that I have are very business related. A lot of the missed opportunities seem to be involving large sums of money. Well, large sums of money, that's what gets me funny. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> So this time we're gonna start with some quick ones. Nice. Quick fire. Wait, wait. Does that mean, some quickies. Does that mean we gotta do ten paces at dawn? One, two, three, four, five. It's quick fire time. <laughs> we're actually gonna sandwich this between this this podcast with with quick fire at the start and at the end. Is that a good idea? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. Okay, right. Let's just get jump into it. Jump straight right in. Okay. Um. Okay. So. In 1876... Okay, I'm there. I'm saying there. Okay. Alexander Graham Bell invented the first successful telephone. Well done, mate. Yeah. Um, He wanted to commercialise it and offered the patent to the Western Union for uh, $100,000. He pitched the idea um, that there would be telephones in every town and every city in America. (laughs) Yeah, right, pal. What a silly idea. Um, And the company said that the device was idiotic (laughs) and it would never take off. And uh, I think some would say they missed the trick here. <laughs> yeah, that's because out the gate, um, he's not just saying I don't believe in that. He's saying, "Wow, that's dumb." <laughs> yeah, I think the, I think it was um, the idea of you talking to yourself that he found that's silly. something only lunatics would do. Yeah, I think with I think with missed opportunities, hindsight is such a funny, yeah twenty twenty, isn't it? It's such it's a so beautiful clear. thing here because you can just see, wow, that was a. I bet people said the same thing about the trunky. The tr- <laughs> The trunky. I had a trunky. Did you have a trunky? I wanted a trunky. <laughs> I would have killed someone for, for a trunky. For the sole purpose of going to airports and yeah. like a I've only been. On, I've only been to an airport maybe twice in my life, but and none of those have been on a trunky. No, the same reason why I got Heelys actually. I wanted Heelys. I took to, Heelys to what, for an airport. Yeah, I took Heelys on my family trip to Africa. Which oh, is the, here we go. Here we go. No, which is the Classic. hot right. I took Heelys. Just so that I could use them in the airport and didn't wear them the whole time there. <laughs> That's like first world on top of first world. I like that. Oh, you don't like it when I mention it. <laughs> anyway, okay, so go on to the next one. Quick, quick, quick fact about, uh, <laughs> about Alexander Graham Bell. Um, he was really up for um, the, the standard telephonic greeting being ahoy. Well, when you answer the telephone? Yeah, be ahoy. This is Harry. Ahoy? Ahoy. What's that? That's like the Alex from Love Island. Ahoy? That's lost, that? that's lost on me, I'm afraid of that. Oh. I was too busy reading books. That's, that's, I quite like that if people answer the telephone. That'd be quite I think funny. I'm like, doing that. Kind of remind me of Spongebob. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. Um, Tony Fadel or Fadel. How would you say that? I think Fadel. Fadel? Yeah. Fadel. Uh, Tony Fadel was inspired to make um, the iPod because he was a DJ. Oh, I think he enjoyed DJing. Anyway, uh, and he had to carry around heavy boxes um, full of records. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the 80s, like, boom box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, On your shoulder. Yeah, so he pitched the MP3 type player to his bosses at a smaller company who turned down the idea almost immediately. Right. Um, um, but because of his faith in the idea, he pitched the idea to Steve Jobs. 
and the rest is history. Um, within two months of its launch in 2001, Apple sold almost 125,000 iPods. And Tony went on to launch Nest Labs, uh, which is a smart home um, appliances company. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 that's full, full stop. <laughs> Ellipsis. Ellipsis. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> I was so hot. I was... I was a bit quiet then because I was so definitely that was really 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 trying to think of a like an iPod um, pun and I I all I got was ellipsis ellipsis. <laughs> uh, let me just think. Uh, iPod. <laughs> I'm just gonna swiftly move on and okay. you can go, ponder over that and then we can get I'll, back to I, it. I ponder it. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Ow. Um, it hurts. Okay. <laughs> okay, right. This is a this is a nice one. Oh, but it's not nice, but it's nice. Um Mars Mars, um the chocolate yeah. company. Um not the planet, okay, yeah. <laughs> not the not the god, all right? Not the Roman god, yeah. <laughs> the chocolate company um was approached to do an advertising deal with the movie E.T. Um in <laughs> E.T. yummy, yummy, E.T. E.T. Oh, that's a good pun. Was it? E.T. E.T. <laughs> Okay, thank you. In, uh, this is, I'll write that one down. In 1982. E.T. The... <laughs> right. Sorry, 1982. 1982. Uh, <laughs> Good year for films, that. that's when The Thing came out. Sorry, go on. <laughs> right, the idea was that M&M's um, would be featured in the movie and then Mars could use E.T. for ads and, like, in television and on posters for um, commercial use. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But for some reason, and I couldn't find out why, but Mars chose not to engage with um, that. And instead, Hershey agreed to spend um, $1 million promoting the movie in exchange for the rights to use it in advertising. And they gained a 65% increase in profits for Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces, um, which was seen in the movie and then made $792 million worldwide. I haven't seen E.T., but I am vaguely aware of, of the, the Reese's Pieces presence. That Reese's Pieces. That Do you know what? I think I'm, I'm the same, actually. Yeah. Um, right. And then... The, I agree. The, <laughs> you make me sound so dumb on this sometimes. Okay. Um, I love it. This is a quick one. Ross Perot. Is that how you say Perot? Perot. We'll just call him Ross. Um, Ross <laughs> turned, Rossy P. Rossy P. Turned down the chance to buy Microsoft in 1979, and he openly regretted uh, rejecting the deal in 1992 because today Microsoft is worth one trillion dollars. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. I think this is one the, trillion. This I thought of, I thought Apple's the only one trillion. No, Apple, Amazon. Apple was definitely the first one. Apple and then Amazon and then Microsoft. I think. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I did. I googled it. <laughs> and that Google's always right. Google's always right. Do you know there's a really there's a funny case where Mike Microsoft um, sued a guy called Mike Rowe Soft. No way. He, he had a website called Microsoft.com. That's not true. That is true. His name was Mike Rowe Soft. Yeah. That's so that is That's a good one, isn't it? Close your eyes. Right, okay. They're closing. They're I closed. Can, I can see you peeking. My eyes are closed. Close your eyes, because and you you listening, close your eyes because I'm gonna take you back in time. To a simple time. Oh. To a time of apocalyptic strife and uh, awful, awful, terrifying events. 
That doesn't sound simple. The early si- well, it's simple and how awful it was. I thought you were going to take it back to my childhood. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, unless you were born in the 60s, like my father. Okay. The early 60s. The Berlin Wall's just gone up. America is preparing to enter the Vietnam War. The USSR just detonated the, the largest ever man-made explosion, a 50-megaton hydrogen bomb. Hydrogen. <laughs> well, I said all of that wrong. A 50-megaton <laughs> hydrogen bomb. There can be a... a like articulation yeah, that's exercise. A good, that's a vocal warm-up. 50 megatons of bomb. In other news, Captain the Rise has come out. Jeff, in other news. JFK's in the White House. <laughs> the biggest um, bomb in human history has been got. In other news. <laughs> and West Side Story just got adapted for the big screen. Hey. That's not all terrifying. It's New Year's Day, wee, wee, wee. 1962. And the Beatles have oh. just auditioned for Decca Records. They've, they've driven down from Liverpool the night before, but got lost. The drive ended up taking a brutal ten hours. From Liverpool to London? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ten. Uh, so Were they, they on horse and car? <laughs> <laughs> they crawled on their hands and knees. At 10pm they arrived, just in time to see drunk people toss themselves into Trafalgar Square Fountain. Which is fun. That's always fun. That's what, it's my favourite. Uh, they were, So the next day they arrived at Decca Studios. Producer Mike Smith is to head up the audition. Although he's late, uh, sick as a small hospital after sloping heels and cutting shapes, seeing the New Year's, uh, seeing the New Year in the night before, the Beatles are a little bit tense, right? Because Smith has insisted they use Decca gear. The amps they bought themselves were like they would Decca were like these are really bad. You use ours. Uh, they pre- they perform a good fifteen songs of their usual. Rep- 15? Fifteen. So they're, oh wait, they're auditioning for a record label. Yeah, for record deal. Yeah. So they they perform fifteen, which is kind of weird because usually you meant to do like two. Two to five is what I read. Okay. Um, and then you're slung off. My usual my usual set for record what's, auditions. Yeah, what's yours? Three. Three. Maybe four of them. Push for time. Yeah. Push for time. <laughs> um, so they usually do two to five and they're slung away with the, by the scruff of their neck. Um, but yeah, this one. They, but this session runs like one of the afternoon. Um, but by many accounts, they didn't do very well. They didn't perform very well, apparently. Oh, uh, which the Beatles. Might, yeah, which might have said, which might have something to do with the fact they were drinking like a lot the night before. <laughs> um, the boys were thanked for their time, and then returned to Liverpool. Oh, I, I. About a month later, wet wear. The wet wear happens. The wet wear. So perhaps a little bit instrumentally. <laughs> I've written ha into my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be hard. <laughs> uh, Brian Poole and the Tremolones auditioned later in the afternoon. Do you know the Tremolones? I have heard of them, yeah. yeah they've got some, got some good tunes. I listen to quite a lot of Tremolones while I was Do you? Are research. you a treble lover? I'm a, tre- <laughs> I'm a treble lover. You're a treble lover. Uh, I would recommend Silence is Gold. That's a really nice... Silence is Gold? Yeah. Gold, sorry, Silence is Golden. Is it... Silence is Golden. Is that it? Golden. Is that that one. I don't think, no, it might be. I didn't listen to it once. I think my dad sang that. There's, a lovely, there's like a lovely four-part harmony and they're really nice. You could, okay. Yeah. Anyways, so um, so the tremolos perform after after Hang on, them. You recommend that song, but you've only listened to it once. Oh, that's all you need, and then I, and I was I was converted after that. Wow. Um, You're so, now a tremolonian. That's the fandom. Tremolover, tremolonian. Hi, I'm Harry Soccer, and I'm a tremolonian. <laughs> now I have to brace you for a funny name. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Dick Rowe. <laughs> Dick Rose <laughs> Dick Rose the senior A and R man, which is the artist and repertoire man at Decca. He passes the buck to his junior, Mike Smith, who's the man heading up the audition in the first place, and he's gonna have to decide Beatles or BP and the Tremolones. Me being a person who 
and kind of guessing the direction of the story. Me being a person who knows who the Beatles are yep. and how famous they were, yep. I reckon I know what they're going to pick. Uh, okay. Not the Beatles. Well, here's a quote from from uh, here's a quote from Dick Rowe. Not to mince words, Mr. Epstein. We don't like your boys' sound. <gasps> Groups of guitars on the way out. You and your boys are never going to get off the ground. We know what we're talking about. You should really stick to selling le- records in Liverpool. Those are famous last words. We yeah. know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I think if anyone's ever quoted saying, we know what we're talking about, they did know what they, they were talking about. They did not know. <laughs> Fuck. Um, but, and so, and so from, from then on, um, Mr. Dick Rowe was tarred with the epithet <laughs> Mr. of... Mr. Dick Rowe. I know. He was tarred with the epithet of the man who turned down the Beatles. But, but it's not fair, because as we've just heard, it wasn't up to, it wasn't up to Mr. Rowe. It was up to Mike Smith. And also, Roe wasn't even there at the time. Uh, it was it was Smith who was who was by, who was pushing the buttons. Auditioning. Yeah, but nonetheless, Decca. So they Rec- took his word for it. Yeah. Ooh. Nonetheless, Decca Records passed up the opportunity, and the Beatles arguably went on to become the biggest band of all time. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. The most definitely the most influential yeah. band of all time. And you've got you know, the whole uh, Lennon said that they're bigger than Jesus. To um, much to much controversy. Yes. Um, and. Paul McCartney's net worth is one point two billion dollars, and he's still <laughs> making songs. Can you ask? Can you ask Rihanna? Although Dick Rowe went to his grave denying the quote. What? D- denying that he said that Mr. Epstein, we don't like your boys' sound. Not to mince words. He denied that to his to his uh, to his deathbed. Um, oh God, he must felt strong about that. That is so. That would keep me up at night. Yeah. That really would keep me up at night, knowing well, that I'd turn them down. Although, to be fair, he wasn't a complete failure at Decca Records. Decca Records signed The Rolling Stones, The Who, The Animals, Tom Jones, and Them, which had Van Morrison in it. And so, the moral of the story is, even if you are a big shot, a big shot um, A&R man at Decca Records, Which I am. Which you are. It's a bit of a niche, a bit of a niche moral. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless, even when you're so sure, you think you know what you're talking about... Just give it one more listen. Take, or just take a step back. Take a step back. And also, maybe, the moral is, don't trust your subordinates. Maybe, the moral of the story could be, everyone is stupid. Well, to you. To, and they're going to ruin your, they're gonna ruin your reputation. To be fair, if the Beatles didn't play that well, and they had been drinking the night before, Silly. maybe they weren't that good. Whoa. Even though they did turn them down. Nevertheless. A missed opportunity. Are you going to shake your fist at the Beatles nowadays? <sighs> what? What does that mean? <laughs> In conclusion. (laughs) In conclusion. Right, for this one, we're going to go back to the 19th century America. I think it's set in America. Um, It's during the gold rush, so... It's set in America. Probably America. Um, Anyway, um, this one's quite bittersweet, and honestly, the the dude in the story... uh, Bra moment, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) That is the uh, historical term, the technical term. You might have heard it. It's actually a new revisionist history term. A bra moment. <laughs> right. Um, so there's not a lot of information on this. It, but I, I think I had to include it just because it's such, such a kicker. Like, he really must have kicked himself. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, the story's about a guy who borrowed a huge sum of money from the from the bank in order to go gold mining during the gold rush, mm-hmm. which, 1840s, 1850s, I don't think around about that time. Um, and he went down, um, couldn't really find any gold, oh, which no. is the usual. That's the, that's the one thing you don't want to happen when you're, when you're gold mining. <laughs> is not finding. Is not getting any gold. And he sold that's his... That's the worst case scenario. Yeah. 
he's he's sold it. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, I'm not wrong. Um, Tell me I'm wrong. He sold his he sold his claim for pittance, right? His what? His claim. His it was claim. Claim. Yeah. Um, pittance. We're talking about pennies, if oh. that minus minus money, like. Yeah. And remember that he's taken out a monumental loan mm-hmm. from the bank. Anyway, he he sells his claim, and the new owner who um got a mining engineer and uh, turned into a sophisticated setup. Um, I'm assuming the man before was digging just by himself with a spade with or something. With his bare hands, with his, with his teeth. His teeth. Anyway, it turns out the man had give the man that had given up and stopped g- digging. He was three feet short of the gold rift. Oh. Oh no! How horrible would you like, man? You'd you be like, never why? Look, you could never look at a nice bit of jewelry again. You wouldn't. Have you seen the film, uh, the Coen Brothers film, The Ballad of Billy Scruggs? No. Uh, recommend it. Great little, great little film about um, gold mining. And I'm not going to spoil it, but if you're interested in gold mining, we're doing the gold rush. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's lovely. It's very sweet. There's a lot of nature and singing in it. Oh. Yeah. No, like a musical. A bit. You should close your eyes again. So sorry okay. if you're listening to this podcast and operating any like heavy machinery. <laughs> Just turn it off for a second. As you do. <laughs> okay, so it's 1976. Rocky's on the big screen. Fleetwood Mac is on the radio, and Gerald Ford's in office. And two nerds who sold a minivan and a calculator, respectively, are cooking up something big in one of their parents' garages. These two men are named. Any guesses? No idea. These two men are named Steve Jobs oh. and Steve Wozniak. They, the company they were going, they're going to create is Apple. 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 Apple, as we have mentioned previously, is now a billion dollar trillion. Com- trillion. You're right. Sorry, trillion. One trillion dollars. Trillion, which is you know unfathomable yeah. to me. I can't really imagine how much money. I can't that imagine is. that in a room. Can you? Absolutely no. I feel like when you're dealing numbers that big. It gets silly. You can't visualise it, no, can you? No, you can't. But what I've missed is the third founder of Apple. Oh. A man named Ronald Wayne. Ronald Wayne. Batman, like Batman's cousin. Is it? <laughs> no. Oh. It's a man. Batman's not real, is he? <laughs> really? <laughs> the three men met while working at Atari. Atari. Uh, Jobs designed games and Wayne worked as sort of a supervisor. Uh, Wayne was... A boss. The boss? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Uh, Wayne, Because Wayne was 20 years older than, than uh, Jobs. Wayne's mm-hmm. about 40, and Jobs is about 20 at this, 21. Um, Jobs was drawn to the air of experience around the other man, which sounds like the start of a beautiful love story. What does that mean? Oh, how he had so much Yeah, Wayne, the had been, Wayne had been in the he game looked, for a long time. admired him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one day, Job, Jobs comes into his office and says, Hi, Wayne. I'm not to start this company with Wozniak, but we have a little bit of a disagreement. Could you give us a hand? Uh, and then, because I, I was watching an interview with him, and then Wayne goes on to describe the problem, and I, d- I didn't follow. Uh, it was something about propri- proprietary circuitry. What? Is that like some physics thing? I don't know. I don't know. Us historians. Yeah. No clue. Um, so, and in that moment, Wayne had proved himself as a capable mediator, a third party with experience, and experience able to act as the tiebreaker between the two men. To reflect this, Jobs and Woz would own 45... Jobs and Woz. Jobs and Woz, yeah. I love that. That should have been the name of the company. Jobs and Woz. Jobs and Woz. Uh, Jobs and Woz would own 45% and Wayne would own 10% of Apple. 10. 
on April the, on April the 1st, 1967. Oh, this is, a, I, I, this is a famous one, isn't it? Yeah, this is quite a famous one. Apple was formed. The first logo, Newton sat under a tree amongst a scenic valley, head deep in a book, and an apple gleaming above him. It's, and the apple, it's funny, I, I actually printed off a picture. Obviously, people here, people who are listening can't, <laughs> can't hear to this, but see, it's... Oh, it looks like a painting. Yeah, it's it, really that bizarre. Doesn't, that does not look like that was... The first, the yeah, so this is the first logo was designed 19th, by, um, was designed by Wayne. It looks nothing like the it's, logo. It's a very detailed It's very image. detailed. It's, yeah. The only similarity is there's an apple above him. And it's tiny. It's tiny. Yeah, Newton is... It looks like it's been drawn, perhaps, in the 1700s. Yeah, it does, actually. It's definitely got that kind and of And it's vibe. got this sort of scrolly kind of writing yeah. around it. I, rec- I recommend you Google it, because it's actually quite interesting to look at. Anyways, um, so so, that, so Wayne designed that. Um, and then Jobs leaps into action, selling 100 computers to a local retailer. Next, he borrows uh, $15,000 to cover the cost of manufacture... That's when Wayne starts to get a little bit nervous. Wait, a hundred, a hundred computers, and he took a hundred, about how much money? He takes, he takes fifteen grand out to build them. So that's when Wayne gets a little bit nervous because the contract, the first contract, is for a place called uh, the Byte Shop, uh, like a like a pewter bite, B Y T E. Oh, clever! Nice, cute. nice puns. And then there was a bit, there was like an advertisement that said, "Get a bite of apple." <laughs> oh. oh, oh, and that's yeah. I can see where this. <laughs> Because the logo, now has the, a bite out of it. Oh no, I don't think so. But that's, oh, that would have been nice. that would have yeah. been cool. Uh, <laughs> so then, to waste a little bit, a wee bit concern at point. Uh, the contract for for the for the retailer bite shop, um, they they had, there was a lot leaning on that or resting on that, and the bite shop are notorious for not paying their bills. Um, oh no. And Jobs and Was are young boys. They're like twenty. I think Jobs is twenty one and Was is twenty six. They haven't got a penny between them really. Um, so Wayne's got a house, he's got a car, he's got a bank account, and he knew if they couldn't repay the loan, um, he'd be the one hit with the brunt of the financial fallout. Um, oh, that's a, that's rather annoying. Yeah, but that wasn't the only reason. Uh, Wayne knew that if he stayed with Apple when it took off, he'd be stuck in the darkness of their shadow, and never would he be able to have his own projects. He'd be in the back, quote, shuffling papers for 20 years, that's what he said. Right. So just, <laughs> just 12 days after the conception of the contract with the company, Wayne has his name taken off and sells back his stake, his 10% stake, to the founders for just $800. You're joking. Bear in mind, Apple is a trillion dollar company. One trillion dollars. That's the... That's nuts. That's, that's just such a famous one. Yeah. Because... But there was more. There's a little bit more. Oh, there's more yeah, to there's it. There's a script. And then, so, so it's interesting because Wayne seems like a very, very sweet man. Okay. Like, he, he, he's got lots of, like... Um, He's got lots of paintings around his house. He, he has a painting that he drew he did himself and it's like a duck sat in a chair and there are bullet holes. Oh, oh. There are bullet holes by it. And then it's like on the like behind it, like not hit it, but missed it, and then it's called sitting duck. Because it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It's okay, quite cute. okay, um, nice. And so, and he's he, a punny man. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's an old guy, he's very chilled out, he's like he's like an anti-collector. But there's just one thing that he's annoyed about. Right. This Apple thing he's completely fine with. Except, oh, is he fine with selling the steaks of Apple? Yeah, except... No regrets in that? No, one little regret. <laughs> so, um, the original contract that he that has his name on it, um, he had it, he kept it for like 15 years. It was scouring dust. He was like, I don't need this. I just sell it. Yeah. So he sold it in the early 90s for $500. For goodness The sake. person who... No. The person can... who bought that... No. Auctioned off in 2011. And it was How much? For $1.59 million. Oh, you're joking. Poor old, poor old one old way. 
I think that's can... that's it's a kick bit of just the ending of that is just it's a big kicker. Kick in the teeth. Kick in the absolute teeth. Two kicks in the teeth. Okay, we've got two more stories left, which I'm gonna do. Um, I I thought I was gonna have more, but um, it's a mini quick fire. Okay. A mini quick fire. Pew pew. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Okay, we'll start off with. Have you heard of the Kodak example? No, I haven't actually. Okay, so Kodak, um, back in retro times, um, was the king of the camera and still are most famous for their film cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, but then digital came along Uh-oh. and they were almost rushed into bankruptcy. But what makes it um, a missed opportunity is because um, digital was actually their own invention. Oh, really? But they decided to not go in that direction because they thought it would be a complete failure and would uh, provoke the end of film camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, so in 1975, Stephen Sasson, I think, um, developed an early concept for the digital camera and he eagerly pitched the idea to his employers thinking that they'd be like right on it. Sorry, what I, <coughs> sorry, I was just thinking about that. What I understand is, let's say you've made an alternative to your product and you're worried it's going to I put, was thinking this as how well. How are you going to put yourself out of business? Like, if you... Because if you, if you make a product that, is, that um, makes your old product obsolete, isn't that fine as long as you made it? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Why would but you that's, that's, that's what the That's what internet says on yeah. multiple sites, was that they didn't want film camera to go. Fair enough. Um, maybe they didn't want... They liked their brand being... Maybe, maybe it was like, you know, you know, like, why would you... If it ain't broke, don't fix it type thing. Maybe. Perhaps, I don't know. Um... But, well, they didn't invest in it. Um, And the, yeah, so the big men of Kodak saw it as a major threat to traditional film camera business. Mm -hmm. Um, So they suppressed the technology and locked it in a dark, dingy cupboard with the hopes that it would never see the light of day. Um, But (laughs) unfortunately, of course it did. Kodak were way too slow to jump on the digital bandwagon and only narrowly escaped bankruptcy. That's interesting. Um, Digital... Could have and should have made the company billions, but instead it almost Mad. killed it. But That's really interesting. They did revive. That's a good one. I mean, what also I think is cool is like how much did films come back today. Like, it's the whole vintage, it vintage style. It? It's like um, it's like vinyl as well. Vinyl. Polaroids, vinyls, um, lots of film camera. Yeah, they're, they're huge nowadays. So it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not it's not cheap as well. No, it's not. It's expensive film camera. Yeah. Okay, for the last little story. Um, this is also a fairly famous one, kind of, I think. Um, the blockbuster Netflix situation. Oh, okay. Um, so as you all know, Netflix is the most popular method of online entertainment. Of chilling. Of chilling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it could have been blockbuster. If only their bosses had known. Oh. Um, if we roll back to 2000, Netflix... <laughs> and when I read this, I was like, oh, I didn't know Netflix was around in 2000. That sounds quite early. But um, I remember... They used to do like deliveries, like yeah. see like DVD deliveries. I would with that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway. Um, I hate still going through puberty. <laughs> she just end it there. <laughs> okay. Uh, the CEO uh, John. Stop can't say this. And and anti Oko. The only names you can say. Anti <laughs> Oko. I'll just call him John. Um, <laughs> the CEO, John, um, said um, at the time that Netflix was too niche of a business and had no potential to flourish. 
So is this the on the whole like the same concept the online? DVD? So I think at this time it wasn't online. I think it was delivering um, DVDs rather right, well, than because Blockbuster was a shop, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, you came in and, and you rented, went in yeah. rented and then whereas Netflix would send them to you in the post. I think that's what it was. And then obviously when technology improved, it became an online I mean, thing I don't as think, well. I don't think that's entirely wrong. I can see his. I can see how delivering stuff would be. You have far more far more expenses and. Um, yeah, true, um, but and, uh, uh, he didn't want to invest anyway, nonetheless. Uh, Blockbuster went on to become bankrupt as the last stores in Alaska were announced to close last year. Oh, and they've still been kicking all this time. In Alaska, <laughs> yeah. Suppose um, the internet can't be great there. Pardon? Suppose the internet can't be great there. They haven't got it yet. It's still like um, <laughs> they've the, cavemen they've got the styling. Steam, they've got the steam train up there. <laughs> they've only just worked out the wheel. Um, and then Netflix Real, then became the king of online entertainment, and today Netflix is worth over $140 billion. Whoa, is it? Yeah. That's ex- that's a lot of money. I, again, these numbers, they get yeah, thrown around. Yeah, you, and can I, ba- yeah, you can barely take them into... You can but if you actually sit and, think, them, can you? sit and think about 140, 140 billion, billion, like... There must be, like, governments for, like, developing countries that have less money than that. Oh, definitely, yeah. That's just and, ridiculous. And isn't that sad? Or is it good? Huh. For Blockbuster, or for... Uh, for the state of the world. Hmm. hmm. I'm all... <laughs> Join us on next week's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, we discuss the world politics and the capitalism and, and, the, and the moral dilemmas that come with capitalism. And Beatrix and Harry have the solution. Yeah. If only they listen to us. We'll work it out. Give us a, give us a platform and we'll, we'll solve it. We'll solve this all. <laughs> a hint if it involves Netflix and chill. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, that's today's that's episode. Us. Yep, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us today. A little bit more casual. A bit more relaxed today. We're wearing our own clothes today. Yeah. We're wearing open-toed shoes. Yeah, my Crocs and the Harry's, <laughs> Harry's sandals. My sandals, yeah. One sock um, on, one sock off. This is, I, to be honest, I have actually did enjoy this one, even though I didn't maybe do as much research as normal. Yeah, we, we both had very busy weeks, haven't we? So, but the, the, the quick-fire nature of them I quite liked, because yeah. it meant that you didn't dwell. Didn't dwell. Dwell on the billions and trillions. Yeah, because a lot of it is a lot of someone's money, which I and they are quite funny because uh, no death involved in this episode. Oh man, we could have we could have definitely found some dead people. Oh, we? maybe we could do a Miss Opportunities two point where we actually... where we just aware everyone who was brutally murdered somehow because <laughs> yeah. they didn't and vaguely link it to Miss yeah, Opportunities. Very very tenuously link it. I think it's not. Oh, I think I'm. That's sad. The first episode of that death. Mm. Are you sad about that? I think maybe I think maybe ne- maybe we should have a death episode. <laughs> the worst way to die. Dumb ways to die. So many times. Fade out. Keep going. Keep going. Dumb ways to die. So many times. Also, please uh, follow us on Instagram. Um, at the worst podcast official. official. Not uh, to be confused with, with the, the unofficial, unofficial because there are hundreds of you faking. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of sick it. Sick and tired. And also SoundCloud. <laughs> yep, SoundCloud. And well. Spotify. And it seems to be that the the easiest way to find us is if you type in the worst podcast, Beatrix Knight. <sighs> Sorry, Which Harry. I'm very upset about. But that seems the best way to find it if you want to look. Uh, two episodes are up already and we will be Makes sense because we've done two so far. Yeah, it'd be a bit weird if we had more than two. <laughs> yeah. And this one... I would say that, obviously, by the time they hear this... There will be three up there. <laughs> Otherwise, they couldn't. So there should be three up there. Um, 
right? Yeah, thank you. Sorted. And, uh, see right, you next so week. We'll, we'll be back. Oh, we won't be back next week. Because, oh, because we've got... Because really... Beatrix, Beatrix won't be in Bristol. So, unless we Skype each other in. Unless we, uh, which we won't the do. The audio quality really We won't do that because we, we care so much about production quality. Nonetheless. Nonetheless. Thank you very much. And see you next time. Fairly well. Bye.